how she does it. Each episode, we talk to strong, smart, intelligent working women. They tell us how they balance work, life and family. It's never easy and it's never the same, but all have stories about the challenge of being a modern woman. I'm Josella Waldron and this is How She Does It. Have you fallen out of love with work? Are you stuck in a job you'd like to leave but feel you can't because it fits in with the rest of your life? Or maybe it doesn't fit in with the rest of your life and you need to change. Then this one is for you. Zena Everett is a careers coach, author and motivational speaker with some straight talking advice about giving your work life a boost. Unless you want to be the mummy in the office... And that's what you're paid to do. But, you know, unless you're a matron or something, yeah. that's not career-enhancing stuff. She says working mums must do more to change other people's perceptions. Just because their wife's at home or their elder daughter's at home or whatever it is and you're working doesn't mean that you can't cope. You know, sometimes yeah. we've got to push a bit harder. And she has some good advice about flexible working. It thrives when there's really clear boundaries and lots of communication. You can't over-communicate it. And people know when you're available and when you're not available and you do a good job. And don't ask for permission, just do it, take it. So loads to talk about, let's get on with it. Hi, I'm Zena Everett, I'm an executive coach and I am a speaker on crazy busyness. And you are quite crazy busy because we've slotted this interview in um, at a hotel, you can hear all the noise around us, at a hotel at Heathrow Airport because you're busy training people this afternoon. I am, I know, thank you very much for coming out here. Now, I'm, I'm such a prima donna. <laughs> I first saw you speak at Mums Net Workfest, I think it was about two years ago, where you talked about women and careers and how to get the job you want. And uh, I was fascinated by you and what you had to say. Can you explain how you got to where you are now? How did you become a coach? Um, I used to have a recruitment business that recruited recruiters, so um, I became really interested in why some people are more talented than others, fundamentally, more motivated and achieve their career goals. And um, I sold my business in 2007 and went off and trained as a, and did organisational psychology and worked as a coach. And you know what I realised after all that time and money invested in it, that people achieve ambitious career goals because they have them. That's the first thing they need to do. So I now work as a coach and I help people um, to get promoted, take on a bigger project, achieve their career goals. And as part of that, I became really interested in how they spend their time because I'd catch up with them four or six months later into their roles, say, how's it going? How's that laser focus we agreed in your first 100 days and all that, and your business plan and all that stuff? And they go, yeah, Zena, I'm not doing any of that. I'm doing, I spend three quarters of my day on this kind of fake work a layer of busyness, meetings, political stuff, internal meetings, emails, and then round about four o'clock, I think I really need to get on with one of those three priorities I agreed that I would do today. And my day is getting later and later, and in order to get work done, I've got to come in at 7.30, or I've got to do it in the evening when the kids go to bed, or I've got to log on at the weekend and spend Sunday morning doing it. And I thought there's something really interesting here, so I've become quite obsessed with how we spend our time and how we use that as a resource both in organisations and individually. Now you're also a mother yeah and how have you managed your career so far with that factored in? Well if I if I tell you that um, I'm <laughs> I've been married twice and divorced twice I think that tells you all you need to know so I'm really glad this isn't about relationships because I know a lot about how to manage your career but I'm terrible at making that work so 
but that's that's it so um but I can tell you what's worked for other people actually and I think mm -hmm. how um, I've worked with so many parents over the years in from a career perspective um, I, I was thinking on the way here actually my worst moment as a, a working single mum um, and do you know what also that thing about we're well, working mothers but working dads have a tough time too we've all got stuff going on yeah. we've got a hidden disability or certain levels of anxiety I don't think I think the problem is we look around and we look at everybody else's curated facade and think they're getting it right and it makes us feel extra vulnerable but um, I was thinking on the way here about my worst moment as a working mum was I was doing some training and if you've got a uh, if you're booked to do a training course you cannot not turn up it doesn't matter what's going on you can't leave 12 20 people whatever it is in a room without the trainer that's just career suicide so um, my lovely child minder rang up to say I simply cannot come today if we in fact we found out later on she was pregnant but she was being really really ill and she rang up about quarter to seven and I had to leave early to say I can't do it so I thought what am I going to do to get my daughter who was at primary school then so I think she's about eight or nine to school um, my son was with his dad but my my daughter was with me and I thought it was too early to ring friends although I probably could have done and my dog walker was coming and I rang her and said, is there any way you could come extra early and take my daughter to school? So I bundled, so she was great and said yes. So I bundled my daughter off with my lovely childminder. And that evening I said to her, look, thanks very much. Because she had to go off in the van with other dogs. It was kind of covered in dog hair on the, on the passenger seat. They were still a bit dodgy. And she said, oh, mum, I was just really glad it wasn't bin day. <laughs> So I thought even then, absolutely, would you mind awfully, you'll be fine darling, you'll be absolutely great. <laughs> oh. But I thought we've all had to do these things, haven't we? And if you yeah. just stop and dwell on them. But you know what? I think the only way you know if you've got it right is when they're parents and see if they do it your, or your way or differently. Yeah. Yeah. So you can only compare yourself and to all those people who think have done it better on a, some longitudinal study over the next kind of 30 years and yeah. see how's it worked out. Right. So that's my cop out. So when you had your babies, did you take much time off? you're making me really bad um, no I've always been really fortunate that I've worked for myself I've worked for somebody else for two months in the last 24 years and that all went wrong when they on the first day they said this is how you have to book your holidays and I thought what, what do you mean I have to tell somebody <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I've been really lucky that I've worked for myself although um, that has its that has its downside so when I had my daughter I know I was back working very flexibly and very part-time but only after about five weeks and brutally I can't quite remember after my son I think I was transiting I was had sold my business then I was kind of exiting out or I certainly was exiting out emotionally even if I hadn't actually proper exited out so I know I took off longer with him that's yeah. bad isn't it no. oh no it's no. not bad I can't no, believe I said bad. that not bad everyone does it differently I think um, I, I remember my daughter thinking if I don't if I don't go back quite quickly I'm probably going to really struggle to go back yeah I think that's often the case or you feel like things will move on at work without you or I, yeah I was very worried about the technology moving on and me coming back and not being able to do anything so that's kind of why I that sounds work. that sounds classic <laughs> irrationality yeah uh, so the, I think the, the myth of working mums then is that we can have it all, but I don't think 
you know, I don't know about you, but I worked that out long ago that we can have it. We can't have it all, and I don't know what all is. But actually, you know, nobody can have it all. There's this four burners idea that if you think about your cooking on gas or argus for your listeners, obviously, <laughs> um, if you've got the gas on full on family, health, friends and work, it's impossible to have the burners on all four at any one stage. Yeah. So most of us become probably not as good a friend as we'd like first, that goes. Health should always be first, but of course it isn't. Mm-hmm. You look like you've just been to the gym this morning. No, I certainly I haven't. haven't. I haven't. I've been also. to Aldi. Um, <laughs> but And then some of us kind of balance, particularly at the different, whatever phase your children are at, I think we kind of balance work and, and, and family as best we can. And sometimes we have to really put so much more effort into work because at some stage we need to do it. And that's a choice that we make Um, and my thoughts are actually for working parents it is fundamentally we've got to remember it is all about choice actually we we have a choice about where we work you know let's be realistic people listening to this podcast will probably be quite educated reasonably affluent and have some sort of middle class life haven't we now I put one of my children through private school Um, she was you know that was a choice the other one isn't so I had to pay for her school fees but that's totally a choice that I made and I've used it as an excuse actually oh sorry kids look I'm going off to do this but you know it pays for the school fees and pays for your holidays I I, I, what I've observed with working mums and I'm 54 I cannot always remember how old I am so I'm 54 so I have the benefit of being in the workplace for a long time and I've coached thousands of people and trained thousands of them on crazy busyness now as well is what I've observed that you know what if you love your work and you find something in it that's meaningful and satisfying and passionate even if that is going to work and putting on a suit on or whatever it is so you've got a different identity then it's fine the problem is is when we're dumbing down we're doing work that's not enjoyable so we've we've compromised big time to do something that appears to be family friendly (coughs) work isn't working for us and therefore, and we feel in all areas we're failing. We put extra pressure on ourselves. That's where the problem is. So work for me is not about hours or presenteeism. It's about what I actually do and what I deliver. And I know I work for myself, but I think exactly the same thing goes in organisations. Um, I've noticed that with um, parents who work flexibly, they're sometimes so grateful that they haven't renegotiated, first of all. Actually, I'm not working five days a week anymore, but do you know what? You're still expecting the output for me as if I was. And that happens quite often because of this guilt thing, which is a whole other topic I could go on about. So, first of all, I think if you're working, the most important thing is to be really clear on what outstanding performance looks like in your role and focus on delivering those outputs that lead to outstanding performance. In other words, what is, the, what is your boss, what's your manager, what's your leader measuring you on and make sure you deliver that. Whereas I've noticed as some working mums, I'm saying this a bit flippantly now, but you know, if you're so grateful to have an opportunity to work there, you're doing extra filing, extra taking the tea towels home on a Friday or something like that. You're always the one cleaning up the cups after a meeting. Well, that's not what you measured on. And actually that is just, you know, that is not what you, unless you want to be the mummy in the office and that's what you're paid to do but uh-huh. you know unless you're a matron or something yeah. that's not career enhancing stuff so I think we have to be really clear on what we're there to deliver on and deliver it that's what doing a good, good job looks like and that moves the conversation away from are you in at quarter to nine or quarter past yeah. nine because 
at the end of the year, when they're looking at who's done the best job, who's made the most contribution to the organisation, where you add the value, it's not about 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. So I think that's the first thing, is to be really clear on what a good job looks like. The other thing I've noticed with working mums, and you know, maybe women particularly, is we're not always good at asking for help. Not cutlery in this podcast. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's having me. a bit of a tidy up near us. Anyway, so what I'm, something I've noticed about um, about women particularly is we're not always good to go uh, good at asking for help and nipping problems really early on in the, uh, in the bud, really early on, by saying, "Oh, let me just clarify what I can do here." So, uh, Hetenta told me that when they move a man invariably they'll move a team. I thought this was really interesting. They said if we move a man, we know we should look for female only shortlists and so on. And they said there's a real off the record thing, so I'm just sharing it with everybody. Wow. We move a man, invariably we'll move more than one. Hopefully we'll move a team because they get into an organization and they're really good at moving people out that aren't great. But also, they're really good at backfilling on the skills and expertise that they don't have. So they know that if they bring somebody in that they've worked with before, that's where they can complement the skills and make a really good high-performing team. And they said often, and they said, this is just an observation that we've made. We've moved one great female, put her in a role, but she'll make it, try and make it work as best, we can, as best she can. She will try and possibly try and make it work with the team that she's got, but isn't always so good at saying, right, I'm weaker in this area so I need to bring in this skill set quite quickly and I thought that was really interesting and that backed up my hunch that we're not always good to say actually I need help here wow. and admitting it. Wow that's fascinating, brilliant. Um, what was I going to ask you next? So you do lots of work about being crazy busy, do you want to explain what crazy busy is? I think we take on too much. I think we have this expectation, we put pressure on ourselves, men, women, everybody. We try and we underestimate the amount of time it does to take to do things and we just try and take too much on. So we have this rolling to-do list with the you know, cliched cupcakes in the evening about everything that we should be doing because we're looking at these curated lives on Instagram and around us and think everybody else has got it right. Well, I'm not sure that they do. I'm really not sure that we do. And I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. And we people please. So we do far too much. And we're not good at saying no. I'm not doing that, actually. I'm not turning up for that. I'm not doing that. No, I'll just get the minutes for that. Why am I at this meeting? There's no agenda. Why am I here? What have you given up? What sort of things do you give up or have you said no to? I think I've given up... Um, Oh, hold on, I'm good at dishing it out. Um, <laughs> somebody said to me, give up some of the networking that you do if it's not actually beneficial or there's a quicker way. So, and I think maybe uh, we're all short of time. I'll try and have phone calls rather than meeting people because sometimes that can be harder. And everything you do, you've got to think, if I'm doing this, what am I not doing? Can we expect as working mums not to be crazy busy? Well, I think there's nice crazy busy, isn't there? But what we don't want to be is that sort of constant, you know, Zumba class where you're, you're, you feel like you're, you're cycling madly and not getting any further forward. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be... Some, someone, again, also gave me the great advice of when you walk in the door in the evening, just sit down, get a glass of water or something <laughs> and, um, and just sit down for half an hour, actually, and just... 
you know, I'm not mad into mindfulness, but just calm down, talk to people and just relax. Where um, I do some work with an organisation called Working Families, who are all about working parents. And they have this really interesting stats about how women walk through the door. And the first thing we do is go to the kitchen and start throwing pots and pans around and you know tidying up and making it happen and yeah. actually men do less of that yeah. you know so I think I think we're just obsessive about a curated lifestyle we all are I'm a bit OCD at home I'm a bit house proud but I think we just try and make everything all so lovely and actually that's maybe where we're going wrong I definitely think in organizations which I feel more qualified to talk about than how to make it work at home um, I think people try and take on too, too much. They f spend too much time on unimportant things. We spend too much time finessing things. I will sometimes have slides that I send over to learning and development and they look at my slides and talk about something. And I think, look, I'm unlikely to use those slides anyway. And you're double checking something that actually, you know, you don't, yeah. maybe you don't need to do that. Some of the other things that um, you've mentioned to me before is procrastination. Tell me about that. How does that hold us up? We That's obvious, really. <laughs> well, we. I think. I think there's Why? somebody Why wrote. Somebody wrote a great book um, on careers called "What Gets You Here Won't Get You There." Many of us are perfectionists, which don't mean that we want to be perfect. It means that nothing ever meets our unfeasibly high standards. Uh -huh. So consequently, we procrastinate over things because we want them to be done perfectly, rather than just chunking on with it, chunking up the task and getting on with it. Yeah. So um, I think also we've lost some routines at work. So rather than thinking I'm going to do that at 10, I'm going to start it, I'm just going to do it. Now you and I have freelance elements to work. So I spend a lot of time in a coffee shop. I go with my laptop to do something. There's only so long you can spring out, string out a cup of coffee without somebody saying, look, can I heat that up for you? <laughs> so you've just got to do it. And I find that's very effective. If I'm doing the same task at home, I'll do my emails, I'll faff around, I might do a bit of a damp cloth, make some phone calls, and then I'll start the thing three hours later than I wanted to do it. So there's an element of look just doing it there's an element of thinking it needs to be done it doesn't have to be perfectly done mm -hmm. and sometimes when it's big I block out my first 20 minutes is actually thinking right how do I do this what support do yeah. I need what is it I really need to do do you know what I've also found and you might have been like this with your children but if, you, if I have a bigger problem to think about so I give myself some bigger ridiculous challenge than challenge A that I was worried about and was procrastinating over I just do a terrible one for if I'm doing some work at home thinking I just go and tidy up the bathroom or I know all of that sort of thing I know I know. Well, it's, it's kind of whatever works, isn't it? But all of time is a choice. You know, it's a resource, but it's a finite resource. What is that thing? You've only got as much time as Beyonce, whatever it is, I don't know. But we choose what we do. But I, I, I like to have kind of calm environments before I can move on. But that's why, actually, I do routine stuff at home. But if something is, I need to think about it, I go somewhere else. Because even a different room... That's really interesting. A woman told me last night that she allowed her teenage son to have all his friends around with all their TV screens so they could all play Fortnite together in the same room, which would then force her out of the living room into her work room to do oh, a big project, what I she know. had to do. So. I love that. <laughs> you see, do you know what? I love that because... Um, 
Fortnite is such a big topic at the moment, yeah. but it is the it is the best babysitter. Not to feel guilty because your child is going to be happily absorbed in an hour on Fortnite no. with their mates. That's fantastic, and I really like that. I hope she said it in a positive way, as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to beating herself up over it. <laughs> she did it. beat herself up a little bit, and then she said, "But I did get it done." Yeah, and everybody's happy, and you yeah. get something done, and that's a great. And you know, your kids are looking at you working and getting things done, and thinking, "Well, look, thumbs up for mum." So, I mean, I firmly believe that if mum's happy, everybody else in the home is happy. I think if we're stressed and miserable, and so, and I really worry about mums who compromise massively on what they do, and they yeah. think I'm going to take a lower level job because it's, there, it's really great, I can do it three days and fit around, but actually then you feel you're not doing anything right. Yeah. So you look at your earlier role models, my mum, who's passed away now, but she was at home all the time, bonkers absolutely bonkers and um god love her and very anxious that everything every little thing became you know a problem and she would have been much happier if she could have done something just to get out of the home and use her head so i think as as, lo as long as mum's happy getting something done everybody else is happy but we have these ridiculously high standards you know my parents left me for days not knowing i mean quite literally <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing what I was doing, and you know, I'm fine, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, anyway, about my yeah. early childhood, what would you like to know? <laughs> so, um, mum's careers can sometimes get a bit stuck, like you say, taking a job that's kind of a bit beneath you or not not what you used to do but it fits in with the kids if you get the right hours the right days if the commute's okay but you can be quite bored what sort of advice would you give to somebody like that do you i mean it's the thing about if you're in a part-time job that maybe you've had since you've had children and everything has been tickety-boo and maybe the boss has changed things have changed and the place isn't the same but the hours are good still getting paid still doing what you d used to do, but you just need to expand, you're thinking, oh, I'm in my 40s now, I want to go up to the next level. It's terrifying to think of how that structure of how you manage your family life with work, how do you, you can't sort of trans, you can't turn up to a new employer and say, I'd like to do these days and I work these hours and I need yeah. to be home at this time. It's, yeah, you that's well. That's that. the wrong conversation, yeah. isn't it? Um, so, there's a whole lot there, isn't there? First of all, I think um, someone said to me, "If you're, it, it, we're either all in a transition, or else we're in a rut." So nothing is. You're not going to go somewhere and everything's perfect forever. Mm -hmm. So we all need to. Be, I think constantly looking at the skills that we've got and thinking, how do I optimise that? Read Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. What are the skills I've got? How can I monetize them to make as much money as I can, actually, on the time that suits me? So we're not, you know, let's again think about your podcast audience. We're fortunate to have skills. We're not in some, you know, we're not working down a mine or something where we're not, we don't have the, the benefit of being able to argue about where we add value. I think the conversation, and you will have seen people who go, come into your organization, they're very clear on what they deliver, they make a fuss about it, and then the hours conversation is superfluous. I think we have to have an entrepreneurial approach to our careers, and first 
of all, look at our skill set that way. Think about the problems you solve, what you've achieved, and who else needs that, and what your contribution is. And I've seen plenty of people who've gone to a job that's advertised full-time, gone in, nailed it, been totally clear that they're the skill set that they need. They've been the outlier candidate because they're so good. And then, by the way, said this is the hours I'm doing it you know let's agree that output I can do that I can chunk up my week and I can deliver that for you in so many hours 60% 80% or whatever it is so we've got to move that totally move the conversation off yeah I don't do this and I come in at that because yeah. that's all about you yeah. nobody cares about no. you and Empl what employers want you to do is to deliver and to be yeah. really clear on what delivery looks like so that's the first thing but I appreciate it's scary and it's holidays we're recording this in August aren't yeah. we it's the holidays when you need that flexibility so I mean clearly I've got um, a CEO I'm coaching who had his Monday morning meetings get this at they move from eight o'clock to quarter to eight on a Monday morning can you believe that can I you, wouldn't be there. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be there. And I wouldn't even want to even consider working for that kind of organisation who just doesn't get it. So his staff were stressed out completely on a Sunday evening. So clearly there are some organisations that you think, I don't want to have anything to do with them because they're not going to get it. Yeah. But those are few and far between. Do you think so, so? Is that changing, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if you look online... For you know, for part-time jobs, then they're few and far between. Yeah. If you if you look at it much more as right, what's my skill set and who needs it, and then you have conversations and you find your job through your network, which seventy percent of us do. Yeah. is find your job through people you know or one step removed and you make yourself visible and you just put toes you know in the water mm -hmm. then then things do come up but you're selling a skill set you're selling expertise knowledge you're, you know we look at ourselves in terms of think we judge ourselves by what we believe we're capable of and and you know for whatever reason sometimes that's not the way other people see us other people see us in terms of what we've done yeah. so I think we have to get some look objectively at what we've achieved and think right who else needs that what organization wants me because of where I'm working now because they want best practice for my organization they want to be bought by my organization they want to supply it they want to emulate it they want my network something but we've we've got to yeah. take the depersonalize it and look at ourselves objectively what about mums who have given up a career and have had, say, quite a long time off, say about five years, mm. and they want to get back into it? Starting with things like CVs and things like that, what do they need to, to do first? I hate CVs. I really hate CVs with a passion because people write them and then they apply for jobs and they get nowhere. Uh -huh. So do you know what my daughter yesterday, without me knowing, printed off seven CVs and went into seven, well, is intending to go into seven bars to get a job, walked into the first one, talked to the manager and he said, yep, do a trial shift today. And she's still got seven CVs in her bag. I don't think he's got it. You know, when she turns up, he might have forgotten about it, whatever it is. I think, um, I think all that is quite scary. And I think the process of CV filtering is quite ridiculous. What they need to know is think about, right, who do I know? What am I good at? They will have done something. You know, mums will have done something. They'll have 
don't know, they'll organise something, they'll have managed something, they'll have budgeted something. Yeah. They do loads. But, you know, don't try and go from, from nothing to going back to running a bank. You know, just think, right, who do I know? What do they need? And start getting some work experience somewhere. A week here, two weeks here. You know, don't put too much pressure on yourself, but accumulate as much as you can and get your... Because actually also, the, 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 the crappy old part-time flipping thing that you you know we we go back and see ourselves as graduates again and take something that we shouldn't need to do so getting any accumulating any kind of experience back in the workplace and having fun and enjoying it mm -hmm. getting your confidence back up will mean that you will aim higher and have higher aspirations you've written a couple of books about all of this stuff that people can read if they want to find out more do you want to tell me about them my first book mind flip is about thinking differently about what it is you've done that you're you know my whole philosophy on careers is it's not about you it's about what you do for other people uh -huh. first of all there's nothing more satisfying than helping people which I'm lucky to do for a living but that's where people find meaning in work and we don't talk about satisfaction in work anymore because like I don't want to be satisfied well, another <laughs> so from a career perspective I want I want a lot more than satisfaction that just sounds far too kind of met I want meaning I want I want to feel passionate about what I do so it's and that for most of us that's about delivering outcomes for other people and I really feel at work interviewing people you know to start off and I just want to I really want to say is what can you do for me that's what you want to say it's when you're network working with people it's when you say look what have you got for me and I think we have too much when people say, tell me about yourselves, people would start telling me right back in that, well, you can see I worked for PwC in 1985 and stuff. I want to know, right, this is what I do. This is what I want to do next. This is what I can contribute. So I want to talk to you about this problem you've got going on. You, I know that you've introduced this new system. Well, I introduced that in my last place. So I think I can help you with that. That's the kind of conversations that people want to have. When I've explained it to women people particularly, you can just kind of see their shoulders drop and think, oh God, I don't have to talk about what a great team player I am and how I can also work individually and all that kind of nonsense. I can just talk about what I've done. That's great. I'm comfortable with that. So that's what my book is about. And, and um, I've got a chapter called Man Up, which is quite contentious because people say, I don't want to be like a man. I don't want to use those kind of man skills. And that's not what I'm saying. But I think sometimes drop the guilt and drop the I'm a working mummy stuff. Yeah. Like We know you're a working mum. Yeah, yeah. Actually, make it work. So that's what it's around. And it's lots of stories from other people over the years who had to make it work. Brilliant. And Crazy Busy? Crazy Busy is how to use that resource of time and about the decisions you make. And there's some tips in there to manage meetings, to get out of them, make them one third shorter than they are at the moment on average. That's I've trialled with a client. Um, how to manage your inbox, how to make, um, um, how to prioritise, I think, and just put your priorities first. Duh. Sounds really obvious. Dina Everett, that is just brilliant. There's so much to think about there so much to think about. Thank you so much for speaking to How She Does It. It's a pleasure. That was Zena Everett. Have a look at the show notes for details of Zena's book and her website. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know your thoughts by finding me on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Just search for How She Does It podcast.